I got a question for y'all. Yeah. Um, when, when is the right time to take down your Christmas tree? December, Are you, is like, there we having fun? Or no. Are we asking a question? No, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you a question. Are you a like February Christmas person or a March Christmas person? Baby, like, Jan 2. Jan 2. Jan 2. Jan 2 is good. Jan 2, everyone out. Jan 2, secular household. <laughs> Jan 2. That's yeah. when it goes down in my house. I get so excited about the not having a bunch of stuff up for Jesus and Santa and everybody, and they are welcome to join us again <laughs> in in November. But Jan 2, their invite is expired. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I take down, like, everything else but the Christmas tree. But you're telling me that you want to go through all of the winter doldrums without a little bit of holiday cheer? Just a little bit? It's like looking at a corpse of, of a holiday. <laughs> it's gone. It's done. It's over. What's, it's in the past. What's funny is that you have been looking at the corpse the whole time because oh. it is a tree that was cut down and is just sitting there. So now, that I is will, true. I, I will say this. When Chris and I were neighbors, it was a great service that you provided to me because I could swing by your house oh. in the middle of March and get a little <laughs> shot in the arm. Ruben <laughs> does know spirit. this is not a joke. This is... <laughs> <laughs> this is genuinely true. It's like it's the same way that like I don't want to have a dog, but you guys have a dog, and so we could go over to your house and see the dog and get a little Christmas spirit. And it was like a nice little, a nice little. Booster. You have a Christmas tree in your house for a th- a quarter of the entire year. I don't need you to do math on me. I need you to help me decide. It, maybe even a third if you're putting it up in December. Are you saying it's up, Chris? I, of, of course, course it's up. It's February. Of course it's not. Still up. Is it up? The question is, should <laughs> I take, to it, take down? it down? <laughs> the question is, should I take it down after February Christmas or after March Christmas? Should I take it down on February 26th or March 26th? You got it. I've never gotta... heard anyone call the 25th. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Christmas. Every month has a Christmas. <laughs> sure. You got to take it down. Easter falls on March 31st this year. You got to get that shit down by then. Oh, you can't I mean, have the that's... Easter bunny roll up in your yeah, house yeah, yeah, yeah. with an. You a, all are uh, acting like I'm some sort of freak. I didn't say April Christmas. I said yeah. February or March Christmas. Right. I'm not right. I'm not yeah, one when of they, When they say Jesus like... wept, they mean he saw the tree still, and that's <laughs> yeah. when he wept. You're like a you're like a Christian hobbit. Like we could say Well, no. Christmas. The problem is our family is Jewish. <laughs> yeah, I guess. That yeah, is we the one. should have actually, Russ. So a Christmas tree. Oh yeah, please. Uh, around November, right? Or so we go around like Hanukkah time. You mean? Yes. Yeah. Us, Somewhere around there. Us uh, in the heaven bound. Yeah. Uh, get together and we cut <laughs> down trees to for to celebrate the the Yule. And and God we likes this when you cut the trees down. What? He loves it. He loves yeah. it. Yeah. He loves it so much. He gives us his kid. <laughs> what I'm yeah. hearing is February Christmas is probably the appropriate time this year. The, yes, I think we all <laughs> feels like. Yeah, I'll yeah, make sure to February take some Christmas. pictures and send them to you so you can. Thank you so much. And I'd love a newspaper in there <laughs> if you could. Just <laughs> <laughs> today's day, I'm a sports event in the background. Yeah. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best games of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I know two fantastic games of the week. My name is Russ Frostick, and I know the best game of the week. Welcome to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. It is a video game club, and just by listening, my friend, you are a member. We've got two, count them. Two big games for you this week: Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and Hell Divers Two. Chris Plant, what the heck are those? Forget what the heck are those. What the hell is wrong with us? There's nothing Whoa. coming out after a certain point this year, and we're burning two of the best games right now. We're, you know, we keep saying blinds. such is our. We keep saying that, but and yet more games keep on it's, coming. Okay. Well, very quick. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is the sequel to the remake to the reboot of Final Fantasy VII. It beloved uh, RPG from the 90s. And Helldivers 2 is a sequel that changes the genre of the Helldivers series, which we never wait. heard no, it of doesn't. Helldivers before this. It's still- hey, I get it. Helldivers 2, though, it, it, it's, 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 your, it's your identity. It's now. not a different genre. 
I mean, it's a third person it's shooter. A it's genre. not a top down. It's, it's a change of perspective. It's the same genre. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's when, when when I play when I play uh, asteroids. I love to go. What a great FPS! What a great FPS! No. This is. drag his ass, Chris. Get it. Get him. Okay. So let's take a quick break, and we'll talk about both of those games. This episode of the Best Thieves is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right. So you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up, you just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi, and once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old, I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old, and they both love their Aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family, all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it, I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, before we get into the two games we're talking about, which again, fucking baller week, well done us for making these games <laughs> i don't know yeah. <laughs> but uh i want to thank everyone and there are many of you who supported us at patreon.com slash the besties uh it's so it was let me just say extremely scary i know it seems like it shouldn't be but extremely scary to do something that new and that different from anything we've done before uh and just uh people have been really cool uh and it's really great great to see i also wanted to mention uh people did vote for the bracket episode, the besties battle bracket episode. Uh, We will be doing an episode on the best first level. And that episode is coming on March 5th. So that's fun. That will be a spicy uh, bracket battle coming at you for patrons on March 5th. Thank you for voting. Please keep voting. I don't think we set a timer. If you're, if you're a patron, you can vote. Please keep voting because uh, we're going to use that same list to determine our April bracket episode will it just keep rolling like that i, mean, I don't think forever gets, but at no. least okay. uh, for the short term uh we'll, we'll okay. use that for april as well so cool okay business over oh, okay final fantasy 7 rebirth can i take a swing at this yeah, yeah if you can okay. recap the first game that'd be great yeah easy sure final fantasy 7 remake is basically the midgar portion of final fantasy 7 most of disc one of final fantasy 7 a playstation one title uh, takes place in the giant, the steamy city of Midgar, and that is all that you get in remake. And what and happened there? What what happened in Midgar? Cloud Strife is an ex-soldier, and he teams up with Avalanche, a plucky group of eco terrorists, <laughs> uh, with Barrett and Tifa and Aerith, and, and you know Red Thirteen shows up at the end. Um, so you get out of Midgar, and in the original game. Then all of a sudden you're plonked down into the world and it's kind of a cool moment because it's like, oh shit, I didn't know there was an overworld map in this game. A sky, let alone. one city for 20 hours. Yeah. Um, and and so Rebirth is essentially, it picks up right where uh, Remake left off. You start out in a sort of uh, extended flashback sequence while you and your, your teammates post up in the city of Calm to kind of regroup after a big... A uh, climactic Sephiroth encounter that was very unexpected because that did not happen in the original Final Fantasy VII. Uh, and then, just as sort of the original game opened up the world to you and you can go in a few different directions and explore different things, now this is an open world kind of game. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so, yeah, if you have played the original Final Fantasy VII, you're, you, you are going to see some familiar beats and, you know, familiar stuff. But now this game has the trappings of an open world game, which Final Fantasy VII Remake did not have. Um, otherwise, it's all the same. You know, you got the act- part action, part sort of uh, turn-based uh, combat where you charge up your active time battle meter, which lets you execute, you know, special commands while you're doing your usual combat stuff. Um, and uh, it, I was surprised at how much it, I don't know, There, there is a option you can pick from the main menu that's like, I want to recap the f- story of the first game. And it's like four minutes. They did long. a really good job. Bravo Square. I did not yeah. think you had it in you. <laughs> to get through that at a clip, which is great because, it, and you must watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like you can't, it, it really drops you right Right the fuck back into it. I think the uh, important thing for people to know is the big key moment, again, spoilers for Remake if you haven't played it, is that the events of the end of Remake basically determine that everything that happens after Remake could be different slash dramatically different from what happened in the original game. They like severed fate or whatever the fuck. Yeah, so... Yes, while while you are going through sort of the critical path of Final Fantasy VII... You are there is constant stuff that you are seeing uh, that is that that just wasn't in the original game, which is very very exciting. I love Final Fantasy VII so much; I've beaten it more times than I can count. I, it is one of my favorite games, period of of all time. And it is cool as it was cool to play like remake and see like oh shit, it's the Sector Seven slums and oh Seventh he- Seventh Heaven and all that jazz. I love that TV show. Um, then you, you know you get that here too, but something is different. Something is wrong, and trying to kind of unravel what that is while seeing all this familiar stuff is like incredibly compelling. Uh, for for me, yeah. And um, what is different is this time there's a card game. In the card game. <laughs> there is, is a very good, very it is so very good. good card this game. is uh, this is the one thing that I asked Justin what his opinion was. I don't know, did, Justin. Did you end up playing it or you didn't get a chance? Because no, no, no. I play. I mean, I I, I got to. Uh, no, I meant I meant the card game specifically. Yes, Queen's I'm blood. saying I, I like I started to face like third tier. Okay, people, yeah, but yeah. Like I did all of the duels <laughs> like leading up to it. Um, yeah. It's really it's 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 very good. It's it's harder than it it's simpler but harder than it seems. Like the actual mechanics of it are pretty simple and but the tactical way you would like build a deck together and stuff is it's honestly a bit more math than I am capable of of doing. <laughs> Frankly, I have to you have to kind of th- think in four dimensions and it was it was uh, a bit past my skill I set, I had a moment where very I could, good. I could either spend gill on a new like piece of armor to increase my materia <laughs> slots or i could buy a booster pack of queen's blood cards yo i want that Queen's fat chocobo cards. card i'm gonna get drop what i need card. for that i think okay. i should do that i i've just been playing with like the base cards um oh, and swapping in i don't it's think P2W. you can win with the base cards is my uh, impression I mean, if i could say something about the just to, to build off what griff said yeah uh i played through final fantasy 7 and i on, I on really, playstation you mean yeah, yeah, the original, and then I I really dug um, what was the first, what was the last Rebirth, one called or yeah remake remake, um, I really dug remake because I I got to see a lot of the stuff that you know I sort of remember. Honestly, like I haven't returned to it. I'm sure you guys haven't returned to the game since I played it initially. So uh, a lot of this section of it was a lot of stuff that I barely sort of remember. Yeah, I'm in the same, yeah. boat. but it's very much. It's very much in conversation with that, and I think to its detriment a little bit because I kept wondering if there were things that I should be understanding um, that I wasn't necessarily getting or differences that I wasn't getting that I would know if I was like a little bit more familiar with. That's interesting. With, with seven, I, um, and I do want to mention really, before you keep going, Justin. The only we're only going to be talking about like the first five oh, good, or yeah. ten hours. We're not going to be getting deep into the spoilers of it. So if you're yeah. worried about spoilers, we're not really going to go that far go ahead Justin. characters are introduced in a way that it's like there they are and that really hit for the first game because i know all those characters because it's the characters that are main characters that you are are kind of iconic and that's not as much here in this game but it's very much still assumed i feel like that you have a really good handle on the original game 
I I can speak as somebody who I feel very confident that I have a very good handle on the original game. It's it's pretty faithful. Like a lot, you know, when you meet a character while exploring, you know, the the mithril mines, like that 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 character that's in the game. That's that's EA Sports is in the game. <laughs> uh, and a lot of the beats, again, we're not going to get into spoilers. That sort of follow this this section of the game that comes after Midgar are are basically uh, you know one one for one. What I really like about Rebirth so far is aside from the flashback sequence, which is about sort of the uh, the the Nibelheim incident, uh, mm. where we, you sort of learn about Sephiroth and Cloud's uh, origin, uh, and Tifa's up in there too. That's very like dramatic and very, I mean, Final Fantasy VII like iconic shit. Sephiroth walking through the flames, yeah. like you know, pretty pretty iconic stuff. And then after that, it gets pretty silly pretty fast. Yeah, it's and very there's silly. A, <laughs> there's an outrageous number of mini games. That, that you get to play through uh, just as you sort of... Uh, well, I, I guess we're not talking so much about, like, Junon and... and I can talk about the that. first area. There's a mini game where you walk up to a tree stump and a Moogle <laughs> pops out and it's like, welcome to our world. And then you go into the Moogle world and you yeah. roll around trying to nudge Moogles into their, like, nest. Yeah. Which, I, I, I don't know, it seems in con- <laughs> like out of step with the tone of Final Fantasy VII. But if you think about Final Fantasy VII, that game was just constant, like, here's a mini game where you have a slap fight with a lady on top of a cannon. Here's a mini game where you are running away from enemies on a motorcycle. And here's one where you're jumping around on a dolphin. Like, all that shit is is pretty well represented here in a way that I very much enjoy. I need that stuff, because if it's dead serious the whole time, there's no way it's going to keep my attention. I need, like, pace-breaking stuff. So I yeah. appreciate how fucking goofy it gets. Speaking of pace, uh, I I really the cinematics in this game are they're gorgeous to look at. I feel like the pacing is really slow, and I don't know if that's coming from like um, from Infinite Wealth, where I thought those were all <laughs> so well written yeah. and acted and directed. Uh, this feels not as sharp to me. And a lot of times I found myself skipping through dialogue because it's like, okay, it's just so languoriously paced. Um, Are you talking not, about like sit- the, the like actiony, like pre- not pre-rendered, but effectively pre-rendered cutscenes? Or are you talking about like dialogue sequences? Yes, both uh, specifically the dialogue sequences. I feel like they go on for a really long time and you are what I, what kind of sucks is like a lot of times you're forced into, um, like section okay like you're turning in in one of the chapters to an inn and like everybody's in their rooms right and then you have to go up to bed but everybody's got a little icon above their head that they've got something to say so it's like okay this is the moment where if you want to have these conversations you have to kind of stop what you're doing Mm -hmm. and go and have all these conversations with people and it's very much like the tempo of it is being dictated to you in a way that like felt very start stop to me like i wanted to be playing video game a lot more than i was I do agree that uh, Infinite Wealth did a version of this better, which it also has a giant open world. And throughout that, there are little icons that when you just happen to be walking in that area, you can trigger. And as you continue to walk and go about your business, a conversation happens between you and one of the characters. And I found that to be like a really great way to just gradually learn more and like bond with the party. Um, That said, for me... I I didn't really notice the pacing issue that you're talking about, mostly because I went way too hard on the open world. I played so much of the yeah. Let's let's it, pivot. Let's talk, let's talk about the open yeah. world stuff because it, it is it is you know aside from the you know who are these who are all these hooded figures <laughs> they weren't in the original game. It is it is the biggest departure, and I think it makes I think it makes some sense. Like I understand why they did it the way that they did it because I was. I, I I was skeptical a bit of rebirth because I know because the Midgar stuff is so self-contained, right? Like right. when they were like remake is going to be the Midgar sequence of the game. It's like great, that is a pretty linear, pretty like straightforward thing. I can understand how you can do that in this this format. For rebirth, it's like okay, well now all of a sudden we're leaving the city, we're heading to Calm, we're heading to Junon, we're heading to Cosmo Canyon. It's like all of that stuff was much more uh you know open in the original game so they have to change they can't do what they did for remake which is a linear like trajectory through the story of final fantasy 7 it just doesn't like final fantasy 7 didn't work like that so to to sort of change that up just imagine all of the times where you are on the overworld of the final fantasy 7 map it is it is open and you are running around it and there are 
little there are lots of activities that you can do as, as you are exploring it not um, just running you you're also riding you are also chocobo riding yes um I, Chris, Chris, I want to hear from Chris about the his thoughts on the open world yes, stuff. Yes, please. Yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for this stuff most of the time. And I, at first, I was, like, really into it. Because the open world here is beautiful. Um, yeah, it is. It reminded me a little bit of, was it Xenogears that we played sure. last year? I think year? that's a very good but, comparison. Yeah, Xeno, like, Xeno, Xeno, Xenoblade, not Xenogears. Yes, thank you. If, if, you, um, if you did that and took advantage of the PS5 rather than the limitations of the Nintendo Switch, you would get this. And there are multiple times in, in this game where I was just kind of like out and about and suddenly I'm like have this vista of like the mountains and the sea and it's like it's genuinely stunning. Yeah. Um unfortunately the what you actually do in the open world can be like pretty hit or miss. Almost all of it is what I is Ubisoft content, and by that I mean like go to a tower and like turn it on, or go to uh, an area and like continue a, a kind of a minor side quest. There's three chests in this area. Find them. Go find them. Yeah, I I didn't mind it again because I enjoyed the world itself so much that if if there had just been a little bit less i w- i i became kind of you know you know you get into that zone where you just like can't stop yourself and i i definitely was at a at a certain point i was catching myself wondering why i hadn't moved on there's one good thing i i do want to say about how they did the open world even if it is is it chadley of, <laughs> well i mean i love chadley but i love chadley what about what girl chadley? chadley is chadley is kind of the main character of the game now which we can get to um but there the way that they do these these kind of like random missions that appear is not actually that random. And you will find that as you are doing getting the three chests or going and fighting uh, some random goons, that that'll unlock little bits of like minor story. Like yeah. suddenly you're fighting a giant bird uh, that's like a side boss. And then by doing that, you are unlocking an item that uh, ends up c- completing a side quest that you had kind of forgotten about from the very beginning of all this. So there is, it's not just that, that open world thing where, hey, you beat all this and you walk away from it with like, you know, a few extra pieces of like, health material there is some some story stuff and some of them overlaps it, but... too which is kind of interesting like yeah. you can't complete one side quest until you do this other thing and you'll yeah. just kind of find the location of this i mean i gotta the the open world stuff was killing me i mean it is the, the ta- this is go feeds into the pacing right like you yeah. have these towers and you see a tower and when you see a tower you know a few things there's going to be a button that you have to press and there's going to be a little sequence while you press the button. It's going to take like 30 seconds. And then you're going to see it go boo, 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 and shoot the energy out so you see everything that's around it. And then always there are going to be ladders that you're going to slowly clamber up. And up at the top of the ladders, there's going to be a couple boxes. You're going to hit them. There's going to be Moogle medals. And then you can slide down. This is every <laughs> tower <laughs> is exactly like and this. That, and that and then, is- oh, excuse me, Griffin, Go you got to just heap a bunch of praise. I got to tell people what they're actually in for. <laughs> they're repeated stealth sequences that are insane. Oh, yeah. The yeah. fact that they're in the game is absolutely unforgivable. The other open world quote unquote activities are like, they have battles that you want, they want you to complete in a specific way. There's capturing a chocobo, which is so boring. And the, 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 it's so it, slow. It gets a little worse too. Is it, and I've done all this one, stuff yeah. is like, it's, it, it's still the pacing where like climbing up a ladder is slow. You get these, the, a chocobo ability to, to the, there's certain chocobo that can scale walls and in exact yes. specific places. And it's so slow. And the whole thing is just like, please, I know what I'm going to, isn't going to be that interesting. Please don't make it take so. And then, it, furthering the pacing problems, the, the stuff they have in the open world a lot of the times, if I see a tower and I'm going to that tower because I got to go do that tower, and then the chocobo will, like sniff something. And chocobo sniffing something means I'm supposed to hold a button so it can sniff better. And then we're going to go over and dig a little bit, and it's probably going to be a, <laughs> an ether onion. Yeah. And it's like the pace of it is like it's destroyed again. Like it makes it not even fun to run around the world because there's always little doodads that they want you to interact with and none of them are that fun here's there's, my even talk about the quick time event oh, sort yeah. of repeated quick time there's two different types of activities that are basically just like just like the same quick time event, and it's not it's nothing it's a nothing burger it's it is it is shocking to me 
how much love and care and attention went into the reimagining and recreation of the Final Fantasy VII stuff and the complete sort of creative bankruptcy of the of the open and, world, and, stuff. and it's, it's not it a lot. This is not like thrown in there. Like, eh, if you want to mess around the open world, at one point I didn't do much open world stuff. And fucking Chadley, who's a, <laughs> a doctor of Final Fantasy, uh, basically, he's a little boy. He, if you don't do stuff for a while, he's like, hey, listen, I don't want to make it weird, but like, <laughs> I feel like you haven't been doing me <laughs> the challenge. Did you guys get this? Uh, I did. Like, no, I. Ha- I feel like you haven't been really doing me the challenges, and like. It's fine, I, but like, if you can, it would really be great. <laughs> like, I'm not even exaggerating the tone. This I'm not just mad. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. It, it really is like I know a big tough guy like you wouldn't leave a job unfinished. So uh, do what you need to do. I would say it seems like they have incredible confidence in their ability to make a very strong combat engine, which they obviously made mostly in remake, uh, an incredibly like powerful like narrative through the main storyline and and the cutscenes and the fucking music which goes so fucking hard in this game so good it's so good the way that they take uh like field themes from the first game and turn them into dynamic battle themes as you like encounter enemies is is genuinely awe-inspiring so the stuff that they did well in the first game i think they continue to fucking crush and do a great job in it just seems like again none of us have beaten the game none of us are super super far but what we've seen is whenever they try to take swings outside of what they were doing in the first game it does not seem to necessarily be landing unless you're rolling around with moogles which i fucking loved that's what's great the moogle shit is the best open world activity because it's the only one that is like i don't know weird and and thoughtful and kind of and kind of entertaining i I do like like there are side plant was sort of alluding to this there are side quests so it's important to distinguish there's like activities that are just like show up at this thing and do a quick time event and there are side quests that do have like narrative beats that unfortunately what you're doing in these side quests tends to be very similar to the activities like go to this point and collect this item and some of them you need to do the activities to complete. That's what I was alluding to. I, yeah. I, I had at least one that I had to do open world stuff to yeah, finish this. Yeah, which quest. is a drag. But I do like when there are narrative beats, I get enjoyment out of them. But you do have to do a lot of drudgery to like do that stuff. <sighs> I, and it's not and it's not as simple as like just skip it. Because I, in, a, in a well-functioning open world game, it, it is supposed to be the carrot that is pulling you through the world and helping you to experience it. Right. And so if you're not driven to do those things, then it's like... Like, I mean, you can mainline it, right? But like, what am I missing? That's not how it's intended, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah so I am playing on easy. And, yeah. and this is related to that because I got to the point where if I played on normal difficulty, it would require that I found and managed all of my potions from sniffing the air as a chocobo and digging for stuff. And I realized, okay, I'm not going to do every single side thing in here, even though I traditionally was a completionist i got shit to do so i'm gonna keep moving on and the only way i was able to keep pace with the story without doing every side thing was to dial down the difficulty which i i kind of recommend if you're low on time fucking do that because you'll have a much it's better already time. so comp the battle there's, system there's a lot to keep track of so. one other big thing that i want to talk about before we Please. move on because we do have an entire other big game to talk about the the stuff in this game that is more linear and more traditional Final mm-hmm. Fantasy feeling, I think is fantastic. I think it's yeah. great. I yeah. love the opening of this game. The oh, entire so good. Nibelheim incident and recreation, so I found good. so compelling. And I say that as somebody who was not a huge Final Fantasy fan. And I talked to um, Ollie Welsh, who works with us at Polygon, um, and he was very much unfamiliar with the story. And both of us were shocked how well that that scene works as an entry point to this. So if yeah. you've never played Final Fantasy, if you've never played Remake, su- surprisingly, you can kind of start here. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would recommend that because I think Remake no. is really good. And I, I think you should go play it. Midgar um, is basically like an introduction to the gang, as it were. So you won't have as right. much of a connection to the gang. But in terms of the Sephiroth narrative, it more or less starts here. Though, right. I, ironically, it is an introduction to that core gang. This game itself, this part of Final Fantasy VII, is the seven samurai building the larger right. group. So, yeah. like, 
you're you're still gonna get that kick either way. Right. Um, Justin. Oh, I was just gonna say they also do a lot of really smart, and it's subtle, but uh, tying cinematics in with this is when you're not in the open world when you're on the like main line. They do a lot of smart, like turning things that would have been cinematics into interactive sequences. Yeah. Like there's one moment where you're going to an inn and there there's some trouble and you're like pulled out of the menu and are running to where the trouble is. And it's not like a cut. It's not a sequence. It's like something you're playing in the game. They right. d- they have a smart that 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 stuff is all pretty smart and well and well directed. I, I genuinely think. I I would I am dividing this game up in my mind <laughs> between the great shit that they did in remake of reimagining this this world gorgeously with like incredible attention to detail making it fun to play and while also adding in this broader mystery for people like me who who know FF7 like backwards and forwards and like I'm I'm going to keep playing the game because of that stuff and then there's this open world element of it that is just sh- shockingly not very good uh, that I am hoping against hope I am not going to be sort of forced into engaging with because, you know, I fall behind the difficulty curve or because they make more of it mandatory as we go on. I, I have not, it seems I'm optimistic that I will be able to play the game that way. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that is, that's sort of where I'm at. Yeah. I kind of hope uh, that it's just there for the people that are so obsessed with Final Fantasy that they just want to spend more time in the world maybe man it really is designed it, it it to be clear i mean it, it, i don't think it's that much less engaging than a lot of ubisoft stuff from like three or four years ago like i can see where they thought well if we just pull some of these things in this is like the biggest franchise in this yeah. like genre we'll just pull some of this stuff in and it's not like terrible it's just like so flat um, and it doesn't feel like anything you want to keep returning to. Right. I literally, um, I got the, the mountain climbing chocobo and I, I went for one waypoint that required me to climb like three different walls. So <laughs> isn't the, it wild? At the speed of smell, no joke gang, so slow. And I was like, the game I patch don't want to do this anymore. The game patched this morning and I literally went back <laughs> to see if maybe they <laughs> and fixed I did the it chocobo. again because I thought that was a six gig patch. Certainly. They made the Certainly one faster. of the one of the little bits and bobs they fixed it. It's wild. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We will return to this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm going to keep playing it. I I want to keep talking about I'll it. I'll see if I can, man. I don't know. Yeah. I really like that last one. And I know this one's gonna do some crazy stuff. Right. And I want to see that stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's or I'm already in chapter four. It's already doing some crazy stuff, but yeah, I yeah. would like to not have to do a lot of the random ass side stuff. Yeah, we didn't. We, chapter four is beyond the scope of what we were originally planning to talk about. But the whole Junon sequence, if you are a Final Fantasy VII fan, is so. There's lit. stuff it's in there. So I, I just have no memory, and I'm like, is it possible this was in the first fucking game? It's so weird. Yeah, yeah it's so weird. It's so good. Uh, uh, all, right. all right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about Helldivers two. <laughs> As well, I mean. (laughs) Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties you go get a phone you just want a phone talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts 
and you get ripped off because he's got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech you know the contract may sound good uh, up front but there's always some sort of catch you know who's not going to do that to you not going to pull that nonsense mint mobile their wireless plans there is no catch $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan mint mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you you want to pay hundreds of dollars for like literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan or you want to have a nice easy solution save some put the bucks back in your pocket pay 15 bucks a month say bye to your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Okay, Helldivers 2, I'm going to say it and I'm going to mean it with every fiber of my being, is the best new multiplayer experience I've had in probably the last five years. Wow. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's up there. It's certainly up I there I can't for think me. of a more engaging, more immediately fun multiplayer game than this game in the last set, five Set years. it up. Give people some context, because Helldivers is a game that is very near and dear to my heart that no, not a lot no of people played, which is wild because fucking Everybody is playing Helldivers too. Yeah. So the original really Helldivers was a top-down uh, twin-stick shooter where you fought uh, basically bugs and and monsters. And it was made by the people who made Magicka. Magicka, no, most notably, was you played a bunch of wizards. But the the hook of it was you would constantly accidentally team kill people because you'd call down spells and they kill everyone, or you'd accidentally like shoot other people, and it was just like goofy fun. And Helldivers, the original, had a little bit of that, but I think the person- Oh, it had a lot of that. That yeah, was yeah. the main draw of Helldivers 1, is you would drop a you know support pod and it would land on one of your teammates. But, just, uh, but as I someone think who played this with Griffin, like right when I moved to Austin, yeah. I can tell you, I, it was, I don't know if I would say it was a lot of the fun, um, <laughs> as the person who had the things <laughs> dropped on his face. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was there. But I do think the perspective, to some extent, held Helldivers, the original, back from being as fucking goofy as it could be. And that's what Helldivers 2 is doing. And it's doing it so fucking well that I'm like over the moon about it. It is a up to four player uh, PVE co-op only experience where you basically land in from the sky and you're these like uh, Starship Troopers-esque soldiers fighting a variety of either bugs or robots and maybe future races to come. And how you're doing that is you're calling in airstrikes, you're using, you know, flamethrowers and shotguns. And you're very powerful from the beginning. You are, this is not like a slowly build up with a pistol. Kind yeah, of you are instantly powerful. And actually, that's a good point, because if you are a person that's been playing for 15 hours and someone, your buddy just joined and has only played for two matches, whatever, you both can play together and have a great fucking experience because there's not like, oh, there is there is progression. It's not like mandatory progression. Um, everyone the progression is, is. Can I talk about the progression real quick? Yeah, sure. It's, it's interesting. It does the usual stuff of like there's in-game currencies that you earn, and you use those to unlock more stratagems, which is like the main sort of thing. The main gimmick of this game, I will say, is the stratagems. Those are the you know orbital strikes you call down, or the you know you can summon down like a big powerful weapon or a drone that flies around with you. You unlock those with in-game currency, and then there's like a kind of battle pass system where as you play through the matches, you are in a different kind of currency where you buy things off of a page. And if you spend enough of that currency on one page, it unlocks the next one. Very much like a, a, a Fortnite battle pass. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe that there is a free sort of book of, of these upgrades that you can unlock. And then there's like a premium one. Yeah. Uh, so that- the way it works is you everyone gets the free pass. The free pass is like eight pages. It's probably like 30 hours of gameplay to like play through and unlock all of it. And then you can pay for a totally different battle pass that has some cosmetics, some weapons, stuff stuff like that. Uh, There have been complaints of people saying, hey, this is pay to win because, oh, you don't get the weapons that are in the premium battle pass. The general consensus, and this might change in the future, but for right now, the general consensus is the free battle pass has all the best shit. So if you want the good stuff, 
just do the yeah. free battle pass. Don't worry about the premium one. Maybe when you finish the free battle pass, you're like, oh, I want to play more. I'll get the premium one. But it is not at all mandatory for making progress no. or feeling strong in this game. I haven't spent a dime. We The version of the game that, that uh, we got access to came with the, the premium battle pass. I have not dropped a single point in there because there is so much good stuff in the free one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that. Um, the game is not free though it is i think 40 hours at its base level for what it's worth but you I, i've just gotten so much fucking value out of it it's it's such a blast um i i yeah i have loved my time with it i think i've i'm up to like level eight or nine maybe i've, I've played like uh, over a uh, i don't know a lot of missions at this point i'm really enjoying it the servers have been a <laughs> mess yeah uh, which is a real shame i had one night where I was playing a bunch of matches and then I realized, uh oh, I'm not actually getting anything, like any currency or any unlocks or anything from that. I completed a quest that was supposed to give me like a shit ton of those medals that you can use to unlock stuff in the battle pass, but it gave me zero and that really put a pretty Brutal. bad taste in my mouth. And then like half the time when I try to play it at night, there's like, well, the servers are full, um, which is, you know, understandable. There's a billion people playing this game right now, but it, it has. It's not understandable. I mean, people paid money. That's they fair. Be able to it, play it. it has tempered my excitement for it. It has kept me from uh, doing some some late night sessions that I otherwise probably would dip into. I agree it's, it's that it's not. Un- well, I would I would disagree. I think it is understandable, and here's why: the peak concurrence for Helldivers One on Steam was about six thousand players at its peak. Uh, last I checked, we were around four hundred fifty thousand for this game. So yeah. even though I don't think it's an excuse because people paid money and they deserve to play the game that they paid for. I think it's understandable to expect that the the small studio who made this game was not expecting the fucking explosive success that they've seen and didn't necessarily yes. build the game with that in mind. I have appreciated the candor that we have seen from that team yeah. also as they've come out like, we are working on it, we need to fucking sleep. We need to go to sleep <laughs> for eight hours so that our bodies don't die so that we can then come back and fix this fucking problem. I, I sorry, I, I don't develop video games, so I'm not in any way trying to make it sound like I know better than the people making the game. What I am saying, though, is that I don't think as people who are advocates for the consumer primarily and the player primarily, I don't think that we should just say like, well, that's the cost of doing business in 2024. Sometimes you can't play the thing you paid for. Yeah, I think I think I think what what everybody is getting at here is there's a difference between um, Battlefield, which comes out, you know, or Call of Duty, which comes out every year, um, and they have a general estimate of like what servers they're going to need, and they actually have it funded already, and they probably and it still doesn't work own. half the time. <laughs> yes, and it still doesn't work half the time. Versus this game that. Um, that like broke steam records and they they have to actually spin up servers so they can yeah you know before launch they can only guess at a certain level of popularity they're going to have um i i i, I don't think that's not to make an excuse for it i i think no. it still sucks for the consumer and i think there's probably a lot of people who did the refund option which is understandable until the game works you know refund it and then go and right. buy it again um uh but yeah I, I think it's just i i think it's kind of like a lose lose situation it's published by playstation so, sony published it but so yeah. like what are we <laughs> <laughs> what what indie are we like apologizing for guys playstation did I, it i we, we're we're in the weeds a, yeah. a little bit i, I, I do want to that... say this because it's actually relevant to the fact that the servers aren't working uh, Deep Rock Galactic is obviously, I don't know who inspired who, whether Helldivers inspired Deep Rock or vice versa, but I know there wasn't a battle pass in the first Helldivers, but Deep Rock sort of added one. And the one that's in Deep Rock is like the most consumer friendly battle pass imaginable where there's no FOMO. Like once a battle pass ends, everything kind of gets added to the general pool. And very similar here, none of the battle passes in the game will expire you basically have forever and you're deciding oh, cool. which one you're going to start building into. So the fact that the servers are fucked up right now s- means that you're not necessarily missing out on anything. I, I wanted to say, cause I, I, I think that I, I, I haven't said positive stuff about it. I just wanted to mention like the, the playing of it. It's, it does this thing that I'm trying to think of another good, if you're in a multiplayer thing, even if you don't have like the skill set to, you know, make the big plays, it is still a hundred percent possible to make a big difference in a match with like almost no awareness of what's happening. Yeah. Like, for yeah. example, 
in like the we streamed a match where I got killed like twice because I was just absolutely not doing anything appropriate. Uh, and then when my respawn pod came down, it just happened to be coming down where the big boss of the level was. And I managed to like redirect my respawn pod so it'll crash into <laughs> the guy we were trying to kill ending the level. It's like, yeah. gr- wow, that was a big moment for me. And it took almost no awareness of the game's mechanics. There's also an incredible, every level ends with you having to extract, which means heading to an extraction point and holding it down for two minutes while you wait for like pickup. And that sequence is almost always very good because it's just you and your three teammates. Unnecessary heroics. Like I'm not leaving without you. (laughs) That kind of garbage (laughs) is great. Uh, It, yeah, I mean, it's thrilling. There, There's so much about this game that that, that works so, so well. Uh, and, and they also walk the very funny line of the tone of the game, which is obviously, again, inspired by Starship Troopers. So it's all like fascist propaganda, but like in a very goofy, satirical, satirical way. Satirical, yeah. It's yeah. Good. Where like you can name your ship and, and uh, in like goofy yeah, But things. it's from like propagandist terms, like father of patriotism yeah. or the guardian yeah. of family values uh it's very Crazy. good it's also like it is a good ass action game yeah. too. like it feels when you are you know firing a machine gun into a big horde of bugs and watching them just like uh you know shatter into pieces like it is a it is the gunplay in the game like feels pretty amazing yeah they actually uh, make really good use of the haptics on the ps5 controller if you're playing on ps5 yeah. or i guess connecting to your uh, Steam via PS5 controller with like the vibration feels like fucking perfect for the gun you're yeah. firing. It, it it it's amazing. It is uh, yeah. so dope to have a year where like there have already been a lot of sort of surprises that have come out, and this is maybe the biggest one so far because I I uh, I've put a lot of time into it. I just want to say one more thing about Helldivers, which this is not the first Starship Troopers game or Starship Troopers inspired game that we've seen. In fact, we've seen some that are literally Starship Troopers IP licensed games. Right. What I think this game gets right and that I was skeptical about when I saw the first trailer is the silliness is cooked into the actual play. Mm -hmm. That it's not just, oh, here's a funny cutscene, but now we go and it's just another military shooter where you shoot bugs. Right. That the actual, you know, you, you, create a character and you go into battle and then you die and then you just get a random new character that replaces you (laughs) Um, because it turns out all the characters are completely meaningless and by doing that one it's funny and it fits like the vibe of the game and what they're saying about fascism also Um, but two it kind of gives you permission for y'all to start killing each other's characters and deciding if that is actually a, a strategy, there were a number of times where like, oh, yeah, well, I was left in a, a city that needed to be bombed out and frustrate called in that airstrike. And in some games, that would make me really mad. <laughs> that made me pretty mad. But in this game, I was like, that was 100 percent the right call. Yeah, I that was a disposable character. And now I'm going to drop in and we're ready to go. And I think bringing that sense of like silliness one is just true to well i don't know if they would say it's a source text but the source text but two it makes a game in which you are playing with friends and you're going to have a ton of friendly fire fun rather than really frustrating it also has a fucking physics-based dive and the fact that more (laughs) games don't have this is crazy to me because you double tap the crouch button and you send your body flying in a direction and like whatever happens, happens. It's like basically the Max Payne dive, but without the grace. And it feels so <laughs> fucking good to just yeah. launch yourself. <laughs> Especially when you don't need to. Yeah. It's very Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing it off somebody. cliffs and stuff like that. It's yeah. hilarious. It's so fucking good. You can pop a stim to uh to make sure that you have damage immunity so that like a giant fall doesn't kill you and you just go tumbling head over feet. It's ah spectacular. This game rules. Cool. Yeah, that is Helldivers. This game freaking rules. I absolutely love it. If you're worried about the servers not working and you buying it and not being able to play it, just wait a couple weeks. Again, no FOMO. No, you're not going to miss any content. You're not going to miss the moment. I do think this game is going to be popular at least for a few months, depending on like how they funnel in new content. I could see myself yeah. playing this game genuinely for like off and on for years. It's that much fun. Yeah, that's great. Good job, everyone. Yay. Good job, guys. We did it. Um, we got some mail? 
I wanted to sum for a lot of the mail is obviously talking about the Patreon launch, which again has been like we massively appreciate the support and and I'm so so happy about it. One note that we did get that was I wanted to address. Uh, there were some concerns about smaller games uh, being kind of put behind the paywall, if you will, within Resties episodes. Obviously, on Resties, we tend to talk about the smaller releases. Um, I did want to note a few things. For one thing, obviously, we will continue to talk about small games on the main show. We've already done that a couple times this year. Honestly, Hell I kind of expected Helldivers to be a small game. It ended up not being that. But uh, that is not going to keep us from uh, bringing those like grab bag episodes that I know you guys really enjoy listening to. Thing two, whenever we talk about games on Resties, uh, we will always kind of tease it on the main show and talk about what we're talking about on Resties and give you a little like little sense of what the game is. So if you feel like you're totally missing out, at least you'll know what games we're playing and how we at least a little bit of how we feel about them. Uh, and maybe that's a reason for you to go check it out and play it. Um, so I did want to address that. Um, there have been a lot of other comments. We really appreciate all your feedback and everything, but broadly speaking, just really, really greatly appreciate the support. Um, if you are interested in becoming a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash the besties, and that'll get you access to, uh, two episodes of resties each month, as well as a bonus bracket battle episode of, uh, with all of us, uh, fighting it over the first episode for the bracket battle was on the best final boss and that's already live right now anybody been playing anything else honorable mentions yeah um Um, do it i've been playing mario versus donkey kong on the nintendo switch it's a very strange game to play now Uh, i played this game originally on the game boy and i remember it being totally mind-blowing because from a control standpoint I don't think I remember anything feeling like this fluid on the Game Boy when it came out. It just felt like kind of the next evolution of what a Mario game could be. And uh, I don't necessarily think that it's that mind-blowing now because it essentially is very unchanged from where it was in the original. They updated the graphics, obviously, but the core gameplay is very similar to the original. So I'm getting like a big, big nostalgia kick off of it. But I think if you don't necessarily have that connection to the original game, you're probably better off playing something like Wonder and and other titles like that that are, I think, more modern. Mm. But I really like it. Just, again, nostalgically speaking, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah, I've never played the original on Game Boy Advance just because it didn't seem particularly exciting. Uh but it's yeah, like more it, of a puzzle game. It's like a puzzle Mario game. It's, it's ex- like for it's people that like Captain Toad. I feel yeah. like the original like source of Captain Toad was Mario versus Donkey Kong. That makes sense. Um, I finished Rachel and I finished uh, watching The Devil's Plan on Netflix, a Korean competition reality show about games uh, where people play a series of diabolical games. It's exceptional. It's very very good. Uh, I I remain sort of. It, chronically impressed with the like caliber of uh reality competition shows that are, is coming out of korea um and it has inspired me to get back into clubhouse games on the nintendo switch uh because there is a lot of like obscure uh sort of board games that i watched them play in the show and then thought like i actually i want to get i want to try my hand at nine nine men's morris please <laughs> i'll i'll take a swing at gomoku please uh i i can't recommend that show enough it it absolutely kicks ass it's a bit of a slow starter but uh once it gets going it is uh it is a a treat uh yeah i just want to say um a big a big shout out to the floor (laughs) which uh airs on you know one of the streaming services i think hulu's where i'm watching probably i think it's a fox show but uh okay so (laughs) the floor so you get this 10 by 10 grid right and it's 100 squares, and each square is a different area of trivia, okay? Okay. okay. I'm sorry, I think it's a 9 by 9 grid, Juice. I think it's thank you, squares. Thank you, Griffin. It's a it's 9 by 9. Important. Thank you. Very important. It's a 9 by 9 grid, and each one is a different square of trivia. Uh, a randomly, uh, there's a, a randomly selected person, one of the people who are, who are on the grid, a randomly selected, and they can choose one of the four cardinal directions to, to challenge. And they're physically standing on the grid. They're physically standing on the grid. And so, for example... 
the person standing on the snacks square uh, <laughs> may be adjacent to uh, famous animals, yeah. uh, candy, uh, Oscar winners, or sports, or whatever, uh, country music, whatever it is. And then that person chooses which of those people to challenge. If that person wins their challenge, they claim the territory, right? That And the other that, person leaves the show? And the other person leaves the show. And that topic is done. Each topic gets one shot. So if I'm in the cereal square and I challenge snacks, then I have a two square big territory that is cereal. So the nation of cereal continues to co- challenge these other areas and uh, uh, take their land for itself. So as you become bigger, you have more territory, you become a bigger threat because if someone hits you and beats you in a duel, they take your territory. The So there's no impetus really to get big except for at the end of every episode, there's X number of duels. At the end of every episode, whoever has the biggest territory gets $20,000. Whoa. And the and whoever is the last person standing gets 250000 So it's this question of like, do I want to get 20 Gs tonight or do I want to keep flying under the radar? And you can decide to stay. If you win a duel, you can decide to stay on stage and just keep claiming more territory for yourself. Or you can decide to go back and just wait defensively for someone to challenge you. I guess I don't. So, um, the, so the, does the board extend like the state of the board carry over to the next episode? Yes, it is persistent. Wow, that's the other thing. It is the same people. So the same people that you start to love and hate and whatever, and you can kind of predict. People get stuck with categories that aren't their initial category sure. because of so they inherit a category. So this old dude will get Simpsons, and it's like <laughs> I, everybody has to kind of gauge like how much does this dude like Simpsons? And the host, who is of course Rob Lowe, will say, "Hey." How much do you like Simpsons? And then you get to see this old dog like, oh, Simpsons? <laughs> Don't even get me started on this yellow family. I love them. I feel bad for anybody that shall. And of course, the first thing is like, Milhoose? Like, no, you're out. <laughs> go, go home. Get out of here. And Ro- the other thing is great is that Roblo has the exact tenor for this. He is in love with the floor. And he is telling you things about this game as if it is not being invented before his very eyes. Like, so we're seeing how important strategy is in this game. Like, you mean the game you made up just now, Roblo? <laughs> I, I told Sydney as we were going to bed last night, I said, Sid, how often do you think Roblo interrupts conversations with loved ones and says, hold on, I just had a great idea for the floor. I have to go write it down. <laughs> like, it is, uh, it's absolute perfect, like, background, but it is surprisingly compelling because they do have the persistent like people and the persistent and uh, very easy to guess along because the, the, the duels or whatever are, are timed for, you know, speed. So you, you can play along at home pretty the same as the, the contestants and see if, you know, you would fare better, um, which is a great recipe for success with game shows, I think. And this is not the first time that Rob Lowe has hosted a high concept board uh, like game not. show in recent memory. Rob Lowe's on TV pretty much all the time legally <laughs> so it, it would not surprise me if he did another i think one there was these. a robot one where there's like an arm that like moves people more. around tell me more this sounds great <laughs> this sounds great man i think you made it up completely from whole cloth but i think there is, is a really robot roblo game show tell me fucking everything about it russ because yeah. it doesn't exist and i need to scrape all the details out of your mind <laughs> uh all right what did we talk about this week russ well, we talked about R- Mental Samurai, which is the name of that game show I was talking about. <laughs> oh, my God. You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, I don't even I don't even know how to recap it, but there's Towers of Knowledge, and I think there's a robot. Okay, we talked about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, we will continue talking about it, so keep an eye out for that in the future. We also talked about Helldivers 2. Uh, we talked about Mario versus Donkey Kong on the Switch. We talked about Clubhouse Games on the Switch. We talked about Korean reality show The Devil's Plan and the game show The Floor, hosted by the very own Rob Lowe. Based on a Dutch game show of the same name, oh, by the way. Okay. I, I suspect it is. Their Floor. I confirm that. <laughs> uh, cool. <laughs> I want to thank, we're going to change it up a little bit. I want to thank the following people for subscribing to the patreon these are our patrons including the very first ever patron your good buddy brandon thank you you were the very first person to ever 
uh, subscribe to the Patreon, and uh, we greatly appreciate it. We also have Lloyd Orr, Arnold, Paul McAuliffe, McAuliffe is probably how you pronounce that, and Morally Ambiguous Wizard. Thank you so much to subscribing to the Patreon. Uh, you can find it at patreon.com slash thebesties. Okay. What's up next week? Next week, we are going to be talking about Deep Rock Survivor, a game that I think has more or less taken over our uh, our chat. People seem very... I in- haven't played it yet. I'm very excited. I have not either. You haven't played it? Uh, oh. But Plant and Juice seem very excited about it. And I'm are you playing on Steam Deck? Yeah, I okay. played it a lot on Steam Deck on that aeroplane of mine. Now, <laughs> this is a this is session. not Deep Rock Galactic. This is a spinoff of that, uh, and I'm I'm super excited about it. I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth as well, maybe get a little further into the game. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Chapter 5, somewhere on there? That seems reasonable. We'll cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us for this week on The Besties. Be sure to join us again next time for The Besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games?